You have been with the Lord as one of the twelve apostles. You've been with him for three and a half years. He has done miracles throughout his ministry. You have seen the 5,000 fed. You have seen the blind given sight. You have witnessed the lame being made to walk. Not only have you seen miracles, you've done miracles yourself. Matthew 10, 1 through 4, the apostles were given the ability to cast out demons, to heal the sick. Now, you've seen all those miracles. You've done them yourself. Also, you've heard the teachings of Christ. From the Sermon on the Mount to the time Christ is washing your feet to clean your pride, you have heard what he has had to say. All of this, and you are still willing to betray your Lord. Imagine being Judas. Could you do what he did? Now, did he wake up one day and think to himself, you know what, I want to be the betrayer of the Messiah. I want to be written down in history as the one that gave our Lord to the chief priests and Pharisees. It started much differently than that. If you will, turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. It started with just a little covetousness. Verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him, Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, Let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. <clears throat> we will highlight three examples from this passage. First, there is Mary. She comes to Christ with 300 pence worth of this ointment. A 300 pence would have roughly been a year's wage at that time. And this is poured in Christ, on Christ's feet on his head, as recorded in the other accounts, used in moments. Were the other apostles right? Could this have been used for a better reason? This was used to glorify and honor Christ. And there is no better use of money. And Christ corrected the other apostles when they thought there was a better way to use it. Now Judas thought of something different. He was not sincere. Moving forward, we looked at Mary's sacrifice. If you will, turn to Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. Christ says more about Mary than just what is in John 12. Verse 10. When Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me ye have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also this that this woman hath done be preached for a memorial of her. Mary's sacrifice, Mary's giving, is memorialized so that we can see it today. Whenever God honors someone in Scripture, it is not, it is not just because that person is so good. It is so that we can follow that same example in our lives today. Let us follow the example of Mary, willing to give anything to honor our Lord. Her sacrifice, remember her example, 
And then there is Christ's. He honors her. And in his words, he says in verse 12, For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. Christ is about to die for the sins of the world. But does he focus on his own sacrifice? Does he tell Judas, you sinner, I am about to die for you, and you will not let my feet be anointed, you will not let my head be washed? No, he focuses on Mary. He looks and says, look at her example. I am defending her, and you ought to treat her better than you are right now. Christ focused on what was needed, not on what let him blow off steam. Not that our Lord ever blew off steam in that way. He always did what was appropriate. There is the selfless example of Mary. There is the incredible example of our Lord. And then there's Judas, that hero that faltered. The stain in the garment, the ungodliness that, takes away, that tries to take away from this picture. Back in John chapter 12, John chapter 12, he is the ringleader. Matthew 26 and Mark 14 both record the anointing, but John 12 is what points out Judas was the one leading this. He says, why wasn't this given for the poor, sold for 300 pence? This he said because he was a thief, not because he actually cared for the poor. Judas was insincere. Judas was a liar. And he did this despite the Lord that was right there with him. He was covetous. Now, what is covetousness in and of itself? It is desiring something to the point you will go outside of God's way to get it. And he did this despite Christ's teaching on covetousness multiple times. If you will, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Starting in verse 19. This is not talking about covetousness per se. Well, it is ultimately. Verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Judas was laying up his treasure on earth. Now Christ says, do not lay up your treasures where men break in and steal. Judas was laying up his treasure on earth. And he was the reason we ought not to lay up that treasure. He was a thief. Now, Judas laid up his treasure on earth. He was focused on that unrighteous mammon. The light of the body is the eye. Matthew chapter 6. Let me turn back there. Matthew 6. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Why in the world is Christ speaking about our eyes when he is mentioning money? What is your focus? Is your focus on that unrighteous mammon, on what is darkness? Judas was. Now, verse 23, But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Remember Judas, the one that had that darkness within him. He was too selfish to, to follow the righteousness of God. He was too selfishness to appreciate the example of Mary 
He was full of that darkness, and it grew into more than just wanting money. That is Matthew chapter 6. If you will, turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a ruler and divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. This man comes to Christ. In Bible times, the oldest son would receive a double portion from whatever, from what the other sons had. And this younger brother wanted that extra amount. He wanted it perhaps split down the middle. But that is not how God designed it. In Christ, our Lord tells him, Who made me a ruler and judge over you? This has been set in how it is supposed to be. This man was focused on money. He was focused on unrighteous mammon rather than being focused on his Lord. A man's life consisteth not in what he possesses. Covetousness is living like your life consists of what you possess. Judas did that, and where did it lead him? Judas started with just a love of money. Now, what led him to what he did later on? If you will, turn to Luke 16. Luke chapter 16, verse 14. Christ has been speaking on covetousness. He tells the Pharisees about their own, and they despise it. Christ tells them, or they, Luke's, Luke describes how they feel. And the Pharisees also, who were covetous, heard all these things, and they derided him. The Pharisees were the leader of, leaders of the time. And they did not like Christ speaking against their love of money. Did Judas like it? Perhaps Judas was right there with the Pharisees, boiling over what Christ said regarding this covetousness. Us today, do we boil over Christ's words or are we listening? It started with a simple love of money, with covetousness. But it led to something worse. It led to a vengeful murder. If you will, turn back to John. This time go to John chapter 13. Judas fulfilled all of this wickedness. And he, has made, he is making a plan. John 13 is wrong. I apologize. If we stayed in John 12, we would see the anointing, as was mentioned earlier. If you will, go to Matthew 26 again. Matthew does not record that Judas was the ringleader, but it does record that feast in Simon the leper's house. Verse 14, immediately after this feast, then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me? And I will deliver him unto you. And they covenanted with him for thirty pieces of silver. And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. This started with that love of money. But now he is wanting something different. He is wanting to fulfill his pride, fulfill his anger, after Christ has gotten on to him. Christ could have said so much more against Judas. Christ mentioned that Christ defended Mary. And he pointed out that her sacrifice was what it needed to be. He did not tell Judas, you man, you are stealing from the money back and you want to pretend like you are protecting the poor. He did not expose all of Judas' wickedness, but Judas was still furious and angry. And he goes to make this deal right after the anointing. 
Now, did he do it for money? He was already wanting money beforehand. He receives 30 pieces of silver. Verse 15. This is the price of a wounded slave, one that had been gored by an ox, as recorded in the Old Testament. This price has nothing in comparison to 300 pence, a year's wage. He didn't do it just for the money. This money almost meant nothing. He did it in that anger. Both the timing and the degrading value he put on Christ prove that. This is a vengeful murder fueled by pride. It is also a vengeful murder undeterred by Christ. If you will, turn back to John 13. This time, stay there, please. John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Remember Christ's love. Verse 2, And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God, and went to God, he riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with a towel, wherewith he was girded. Throughout Christ's ministry, or at least closer to the end, the apostles are having a debate. Who is the greatest? Who is the one that rises above the others? It is possible that they were wondering, all right, who's second in command for when Christ dies? He has talked about his death multiple times. Is, is that what is on their mind? We do not know. But they were prideful no matter what. And Christ is washing their pride from them. In Jerusalem, this is during the time of the Passover. There was likely blood in the streets, refuse from the animals, dirt and grime were absolute. It was all over, and it was all over their feet. But our Lord was willing to wash that. Why did he do it? Verse 8, Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part in me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. Ye are clean, but not all. Why does Christ say that? Verse 11, For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. Judas continued in his sin, despite the love of Christ, despite the selflessness of Christ, and despite Christ warning him time and time again, that there was a betrayer. In Matthew 17, 22, in, in Matthew 26, 2, beforehand, not that you have to turn there, but those are references to where Christ mentions his betrayer, and there are more than just those. Judas has been given warning by Christ. Judas has been given the example of Christ, and yet he still fails his Lord. Continuing with the beautiful display Christ gave with, this, with the anointing, or with the washing of the feet. Ye call me master, verse 13, and Lord, and ye say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. 
If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Christ is speaking on pride. Christ is washing their feet so that they can have this lesson they should have already known while Judas is still there, while Judas is still going to betray. Verse 18, I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, ye may believe that I am he. Verily I say unto you, he that receiveth whomsoever I send receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. Judas was used by God despite what he was going to do. Judas was used in prophecy to prove that the apostles, so that we could today, could believe. What were the odds of one that served Christ for three and a half years to betray him to the chief priests and Pharisees? It happened. God knew it, and we know it today. He was still used. Now, back to the point of him doing this despite all Christ did. We talked about his teachings, his love, his selflessness, the fact he washed their feet. Judas continues to have warning from Christ. Jesus answered, Peter and John are wanting to figure out, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? Verse 26, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Satan entered into him. Now does that mean he had no control over his actions? Judas was punished for what he did, as will be discussed later. Judas is remembered for his wickedness. With demon possession, the one that is under control is not remembered for the wickedness. They are a victim, not the one that is a criminal. Judas is remembered as a criminal. Therefore, he is committing his own actions. Now, we mention this with him, Satan, entering his heart. If you will, turn back to Luke 22. Luke 22, starting in verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. Verses 4 through 6 go on to describe his betrayal. Thirty pieces of silver. He is waiting for a convenient time to betray his Lord. Satan entered into him when he went to make that deal. Now, back to John 13, verse 2. The supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now, verse 27. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Satan entered Judas when he first made his plan. But Satan entered Judas again. During that, during that last supper, after the washing of feet, that is. Is there a possibility that in between those two times, there was a time de the devil was not within Judas, where he wondered if he was going to do evil? If you will, turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, verse 22, the disciples are exceedingly sorrowful, and they are all asking, Lord, is it I? Verse 25, even Judas asks, Lord, is it I? Yes, it is possible, even likely, that he was just lying. 
blending in with the rest, wanting to say this just so he didn't stand out as the betrayer. But if Satan entered into him that one time, and then he is asking, is it I? Am I really going to do this? And then Satan enters him again. Is there a chance he wondered? Most of us here, at least those accountable, have been in a similar situation where we're wondering, am I really going to go for that touch, for that bottle, for that cigarette, even though I know it is wrong? Am I going to follow wickedness or am I going to follow my Lord? Perhaps Judas was in that situation. We can learn from him being blatantly dishonest. We can learn from him being unsure in his actions. Now, no matter what, Judas stayed in his wicked path. This vengeful murder was fueled by pride. It was undeterred by Christ, and it was fulfilled that night. Matthew 26, turning there, if you are not there already. Matthew 26. Judas goes out to make his deal after the supper. Now, verse 47, Christ is in the garden. He has prayed to his Lord, asking if this cup can pass. Again, remember Christ's selflessness, Christ's sacrifice. And then there's this opposite selfishness of Judas. Verse 47, And while he yet spake, Christ was speaking, Lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves, from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed them, now he that betrayed him, gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. We mentioned there was a possibility of doubt within Judas' heart, where Satan entered into him again. There is no doubt now. He is using every dishonest asset at his disposal to betray his Lord. He comes to him with the words of one that honors Christ. Hail, Master! He comes to him with the gesture, gesture of a friend. He kisses him. He is enveloped in his wickedness. He has chosen the path of deceit. Remember, it started with just that covetousness, that love of money. And now he is coveting his own pride, willing to trade the life of Christ for it. All of that wickedness was fulfilled that night. Now, did it stop there? Did it stop with him murdering Christ? Did he change? Matthew 27, starting in verse 3. This is after Christ has been condemned for his actions. Or, Christ was not condemned for his actions. This is after Christ was condemned despite being innocent. Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Judas was sorry. He regretted his actions, but was it godly sorrow? For 2 Corinthians 7.10, Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. What did the sorrow of Judas work? He went and hanged himself. True repentance is usually described with the word metanueo in the Greek. 
meta, change, nueo, having to do with the neuro, neurology. A change of mind, and this change of mind would lead to a change of life. The word used to describe Judas is different. Don't ask me to pronounce it, but it is asked, it means more a regret. He was sorry for his actions, but he was not sorry enough to repent to his Lord. Us today, when wickedness comes, when we decide to follow it, will we regret it enough to come to our Lord, or will we just run away from it? Judas had worldly repentance. He also had a corrupted confession. Where did he go? Did he go to the apostles saying, Friends, I have betrayed our Lord. I am sorry. Did he go to God himself and say, Lord, I have betrayed your son and given him into the hands of those that desire his life? No. Then Judas, he goes to the chief priests and Pharisees, the ones that gave him the 30 pieces of silver in the first place. He does not go to the ones that could actually change any. He does not go to the ones that would be his friends. He went where he thought he could change what happened. But instead, he realized he could not change anything. There could not be a refund for, on this blood money. And because of that, he goes and kills himself. He loses his physical life. Now, corrupted confession, worldly repentance, those were his reactions to what he did. What did he lose? If you will, turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts 1, 15 through 25. It all started with that covetousness. And that covetousness grew from money to his own pride, and it's led to his own death. What were the consequences of not bridling his own selfishness? Verse 15. In those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of names together were about 120. He did not say that. That is a parenthetical statement. Verse 16. Men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. We mentioned that Christ said that these things happened so that they would believe. Peter remarks that sentiment here. Now, verse 17. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Judas losses. First, he lost his position. He lost this ministry. He was an apostle of Christ, a position only held by a total of 14 men, the first 12 apostles, then Matthias, and then Paul later on. He had a special place, but he gave it up for his own greed, for his own selfishness. What else? Verse 14, Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that field in their proper tongue is called Echeldama, that is to say, the field of blood. It is known to all the dwellers in Jerusalem how he died and that he betrayed Christ. He is known for his wickedness. Now, Matthew 10, 1 through 4, not that you have to turn there. Mark 3, 21 through 23, Luke 6, 16, and John 12, 4. All of those passages describe Judas before his betrayal, but they described him as Judas, the one which betrayed Christ. The Holy Spirit expected those that were reading Scripture to already know the betrayal of Judas. And now, in Acts chapter 1, he is described as everyone knowing his death. 
It is a gruesome death that is almost as filthy as his sin. Do we want to be remembered that way? Do we want to be remembered for wickedness and the consequences of our wickedness? He lost his position. He lost his reputation. Verse, 20, verse 25, skipping down after Peter describes that they must set in place a new apostle, that he may take part of this ministry in apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. Judas lost his position. He lost his reputation. He lost his friends, his comrades, which were the other apostles, and his greatest friend. Judas, by transgression, fell and went to his own place. If he went to a place after he, by transgression, fell, he did not go to eternal paradise. He is now eternally separated from the one that loved him the most, his God and Father, and his Son, Jesus Christ. Judas lost everything because he wanted to look for what was best for him. We are designed to serve our Lord. Ever since Genesis 3, God has been wanting us back from sin, and Judas would not accept that. Judas followed after that sin. It, didn't, it was not worth it in the end. Now, it does not have to end on this sad note. Looking at Judas' life, it is quite gloomy, it is quite sad, because he followed after darkness. If you will, turn back to Matthew 26, or Matthew 27, rather. No, Matthew 26, the final verses, 69 through 75. Judas did not repent of his sins. Judas betrayed his Lord and never turned back. But now, Peter has denied his Lord. Christ told him he would. He denies three times, and when he realizes what he does, verse 75, And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the crock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter wept over what he did. He did not go out and hang himself. He denied his Lord. How could Christ ever use him? Well, Christ did use him. Mark 16, Judas is recorded. The, the women come to the tomb, and there are those two men, two angels sitting there. And they say, go tell the apostles and Peter. Not just the apostles. They mention Peter specifically. He has a special place. He is going to be comforted after he has repented. Now, if you will, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2, was Peter used? Verse 14, this is the beginning of the first gospel sermon. Christ died, Christ has resurrected, and now the gospel is going to be preached. And who is it speaking? But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. Peter was the speaker. Peter was the one that is recorded in Acts as the main spokesperson, even though he committed such wickedness in denying his Lord. God wants you with him. God does not desire you to die as Judas. You have an option. You can live your life selfishly, not realizing all that God has in store for you, living in a way where covetousness is your goal. All the money in the world is what you want. And you will not let anything get in the way of your pride. And in the end, you will only suffer eternal mourning. Or you can live in the manner of Peter. You can escape that sin. You can change from that wicked way and be with your Lord for eternity.
Will you be like Judas? Or will you be a Christian?